the taste. 360 degrees. Ha ha, 360 degrees. Ha ha, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Ha ha. Good evening to all our listeners and welcome to Full Circle. This is your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program here at KPFA. This past May, Oakland's East Side Alliance, East Side Arts Alliance, rather, held the 16th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival at San Antonio Park, and KPFA was there. Absolutely, Zakia. We are here to bring you some sounds from the event, and on tonight's show, we will speak with a representative from the East Side Arts Alliance about the festival. We'll also hear interviews with community organizers who had a presence at the festival, including members of the Black Panther Party. All of that and some great music from the festival featuring KPFA's own Avacha. That's tonight on Full Circle. We're your host. I'm Zakia G.E.K. Part. And I'm Dennis Roos Jr. Stay tuned. Hello, and again, welcome to Full Circle. Tonight, we will bring you several interviews, all of which took place at San Antonio Park for the 16th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival. But before we get started, I want to welcome a new voice to Full Circle, Dennis Roos. Dennis is one of the voices you will be hearing over the air in shows to come. Hey, Zakia. And yes, this will actually be my first time live on the air. I am getting ready along with my group of fellow apprentices to bring you our very very first Full Circle show as a group. And that should air Friday, August 12th. Until, until then, you may hear a couple of us sitting in as I am tonight. So thank you. I'm glad to be here. And by the way, I am in Group 41, Many Voices, LFI No. Well, again, welcome. Our first interview is with Oakland's living legend organization members of the Black Panther Party. In October 1966, there were here in Oakland, rather, in Oakland, California, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale founded the Black Panther Party for self-defense. The Panthers practice self-defense against the U.S. government and its system of oppression of minority communities. They created a first-of-its-kind free breakfast program for school children in Oakland in January 1969. And by the end of that year, the Panthers set up kitchens across the nation, feeding 10,000 children every day before they went to school. Uh, senior apprentice J.C. Howard, along with another new upcoming voice, Ephraim Colbert, spoke with two members of the party working to this day in Oakland. Now we go to that interview. 
Uh, this is Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA, and we are sitting here at the Malcolm X Jazz Festival. Right now, we've got Black Panther Party members Billy X and Melvin Dixon. Welcome, you guys, to the show. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to be here. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you guys are members of the Black Panther Party. What brought you guys to be involved in the Black Panther Party and movement? Well, as a 17-year-old youth in Oakland, I joined the Black Panther Party in the summer of 1968 when Huey Newton went on trial. I was going to Laney for summer school, and when the trial started, it was somewhere like June. And you could hear them saying, free Huey throughout the whole campus. So as an interested person, I bounced around there and saw what was going on. And I saw my neighbor there who was the Panther. And afterward, I got to question him about the party member. He started taking me to rallies and explaining to me what the Black Panther Party was about, their goals and objectives. And I, you know, wanted to work and, you know, do something like that. So I became a member in the summer of 1968. Very nice. Uh, Melvin? Well, what brought you to be a part of the Black Panther Party? Well, what caused me to join the party basically was the conditions and during the time of the Civil Rights Movement, people were agitating all over the country. Black people were, as you probably know. And and uh, Oakland was one of those places where you had a black consciousness movement growing predated the Black Panther Party. And I think that part of the reason I joined it, just one step after the next. <laughs> right. One of the things that got me interested in the party was uh, the idea of them developing social programs, right? right. Uh, there was talk of instituting a breakfast program. As back in those days, Oakland was far below the poverty level uh, in the country. And there was many instances where young people fell out from hunger. And the county and city didn't have any way to deal with hunger. So what they would do is take the kid back home as though he had food in the beginning, you know? So we started this breakfast program uh, to, to uh, bring nutrition and education together. And that was really got me going with the party because they had ideas and started implementing solutions to problems we've had in the community. Yeah, uh, that that's that's really great. That's that is uh, one of the things about the Black Panther Party. I think that does kind of get brushed over and, and not mentioned enough is the social programs that they were uh, starting to change uh, or starting to do and, and to change change things in the community. Billy X, you are a party historian for the Black Panther Party. We're in the midst of the year that is the 50th anniversary of the Black Panther Party. Can you tell me anything about like the significance of 50 years of the Black Panther Party? Well, the significance is organization like this started in Oakland. It's facilitated by Oakland people to deal with problems that we face every day. And as we celebrate Malcolm X Day today, Malcolm X was one of the reasons the Black Panther Party was founded because he was murdered in 1965. Right, yeah. And probably if Malcolm would have lived, there probably wouldn't have been a reason for the Black Panther Party because of his organizing ability. Right. But, of course, he was killed. Uh, later, so the Black Panther Party was instituted uh, to carry out Malcolm's thoughts and ideas. So that is our real connection. And as Billy was pointing out, you know, Malcolm X was a big inspiration of the Black Panther Party and us being here today. This is just ties in with what we as an organization continue to promote. And we see a need for that as, as you probably know, conditions are much worse in many right. ways than they were when the party started. Right. We have people still locked up. 
political prisoners. One person, Albert Woodfox, was just released after, what, 45 years almost? So we have to promote the campaign to release the political prisoners yeah. as well. Melvin, could you tell us a little bit more about the, that campaign to release those prisoners? The campaign has a name that you were talking about. Yeah. National Jericho is an umbrella organization, national organization. Uh, recently, we started up uh, the Oakland chapter. I'm chairperson for the Oakland chapter, uh, Jericho. And we have people in California, as you know, it has a high rate of prisoners. It's not just the political prisoners, but we have pe people who are just locked up and who are political prisoners in a different way, but they certainly uh, need some support. So we see our uh, role in Oakland as bringing this issue to the forefront because people don't talk about it. As a matter of fact, the government denied that there is any political prisoners in this country to this day. So we have to shed light on that. The United Nations has already had words to say about the conditions, particularly around black reparation in this country because of the treatment of black people. Well, political prisoners are doing the kind of work that I was, uh, me and Billy's doing right now, you know. We see a need to continue that, that work. And so again, this year is the 50th anniversary. Um, we yeah. are going to be having in October, the 20th through the 23rd, the uh, commemoration and conference. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the workshops that will be available at the conference. Well, there's going to be a number of workshops uh, from, from various fields, you know, various aspects of the struggle as well as we're working with a number of other groups like Black Lives Matter, uh, All of Us and None of Us, uh, Critical Resistance. And uh, many of the workshops are going to deal with the party legacy as well as current conditions. Now, we, the Black Panther Party is known throughout America, but the Black Panther Party is known throughout the world. We have support groups that are coming from Australia, coming from New Zealand, coming from the UK, coming from Paris, and we have Panthers coming from Africa to attend this four-day uh, event in the city of Oakland at the Oakland Museum and at Laney College. Like Melvin and I are both members of the host committee who's bringing this event uh, to Oakland. There's many people, many former party members in the city of Oakland and around the world who will come to Oakland and participate in this. Yeah, yeah they enthusiasm is high around the 50th anniversary from the community, from the people we talk to. And, and it looked like uh, they're going to be a tremendous turnout. You, you mentioned that you've got uh, some Black Lives Matters organizers coming through. You're working with them. Can you, can you talk about the significance of the Black Lives Matter movement in, uh, in, in light of the 50th anniversary of the Black Panther Party? Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's interesting and very uh, significant that we have such a movement of young generation that many of them wasn't even born back then. Right. And, of course, I don't ex we don't expect them to repeat the Black Panther Party because you can't repeat what happened 50 years, 40 years ago. You know, they have things today that they can address. Nonetheless, we still have the oppression. We still have, uh, we have more so, uh, more people locked up today than we had uh, during the days of the Black Panther Party, particularly in the state of California. Yeah. Uh, so we have conditions that begs for organization, and I think it's a, it's a great thing that they can pick up uh, some of the uh, struggle that we left. You know, I see the dole telling, some dole telling here because issues of health, education, housing, and those kinds of things, income, are still with us. So. And another thing we're doing, we're working with the Oakland um, Public Library System. 
within the city of Oakland, there are 17 branch libraries. And so we have six exhibits in different local libraries, like in Brookfield or 81st and Rodsdale. Uh, we have one in the Diamond District, the one at uh, Amherst. So every three or four months, we're going to rotate these down to different parts of the city so that young brothers and sisters who are six, seven, eight years old know about the Black Panther Party. They know that the Black Panther Party started here in Oakland, that their cousins, their aunts, their right. aunties, and grandmothers was a part of this movement to make life better. It's our job to educate and liberate. So, yeah. you know, each one teach one. Yeah, so, excellent. Education is, is really critical for our program. You know, we, this, this 50th anniversary, you know, is the education component, big part of it. You know, what is the significance of education, like to the Black Panther Party and the and the movement, and the, and what you guys are doing with this 50th anniversary? Well, you know, making the connection is is really critical for young people who wasn't born back in the right. day when the party was around. or don't understand what what was the strategy of the Black Panther Party, so they need to know that. Hopefully, with the 50th anniversary and whatever comes after that, perhaps we might be able to do us a museum one of the things that we wow. want to do museum archives after our 50th anniversary perhaps that could help you would you do it here in oakland absolutely yes, we yes, already okay. discussing that building a museum coming out of this do you have any advice for any young activists out there that might be involved in current movements or things that they can maybe use or learn or strategies from the black panther movements well we have a website uh, called it's about time bpp.com there's a lot of information. I mean, a lot. There's videos on the uh, video link that shows solidarity, uh, ways to organize. It, what it does, provides people a view of how to organize, how we organize, and how you can apply what we did in the past to this present situation. And the most important thing is to study. And, and educate yourself on the multi-struggles that's going on. You know, it's good to know what's going on in your community, but it's good to know what's going on outside your community, what's going outside your state, and also yeah. what's going on in different countries. Because we're all connected, we're interconnected together, you know? Just like this water situation we're in, and, and we're all in this together, right. you know? <laughs> right. J.C. Howard with Ephraim Colbert uh, sitting here with the Black Panther Party members, Melvin Dixon and Billy X, right here at the Malcolm X Jazz Festival, uh, 94.1 FM, KPFA, where you're listening to Full Circle. And I wanted to ask you guys, what brought you guys to the Jazz and Arts Festival today? Well, we've been coming here on, over the years. This is a regular annual event. And as you know, Malcolm X is very special to the Black Panther Party. It's yeah. also one of the very few places that's left that activists can meet up. This, I see people here that I don't see any other time, any other time, any other events, you know, because most people are active-minded, and when they come here, I, we have a chance to talk and strategize and, and relax, you know. Right. I've been coming here for over 10, 11 years, you know, yeah. but it's a part of our culture, you know, yeah. to mingle with like-minded people, to educate and organize. Yeah. Promote multiculture, too, yeah. multiculture here. Yeah. Because you got lots of Asian, indigenous people come in to uh, perform, yeah. participate. They celebrating the same struggle. The only one struggle. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Billy X, Melvin Dixon from the Black Panther Party, thank you very much for joining us on Full Preserve. Thank, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. All right, all power to the people. Right on. Welcome back. If you've just tuned in, you've been listening to an interview by our very own J.C. Howard and Ephraim Colbert. 
They were speaking with Black Panther activists Billy X and Melvin Dixon. And that interview was recorded live at the festival. And yes, it was, Akia. This is Full Circle on Community Powered Radio, 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley. We're taking a short music break, and we will return in a moment with more from the 16th Annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival. So, please stay tuned with us. Our music is a healer. An intergalactic time traveler that speaks all languages, sometimes all at once. As we move in and out of the familiar and into zones unknown, our music is harmonically precocious, a reckless stealer of hearts that sometimes flirts with your intellect and forces you to sit, to listen, while other times it sings to your feet, and you find yourselves having to get up and dance. Our music is shamelessly unpredictable, still as familiar as your grandma's backyard. We ride on rhythmic waves, international togetherness, into the beautiful otherworldliness and magnificent difference of each other. Our music is a fanatical mixture of love and listening, a creative, adventuristic, open-minded, open-ended, blissful discipline that respectfully speaks all languages, sometimes all at the same time, but always leads us back into the beauty that is us, and sometimes into the sadness that is us, southern trees, I say southern trees, southern trees, they are strange fruit the leaves and blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Pastoral scene of the gallant south, the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth, the scent of magnolias, sweet and fresh. Welcome back to Full Circle here on KPFA 94.1 FM. The music and poetry you just heard was Strange Fruit, arranged by KPFA's very very own Avacha and her group, Motupoy. Right now, we invite you to listen to another very interesting interview, BOP Black Organizing Project. Black Organizing Project is reviving the spirit of Oakland's black community through relationship building, leadership development, political education, and policy change. BOP is a black member-led community organization working for racial, social, and economic justice through grassroots organizing and community building in Oakland, California. Now, this is what we need in our society, young people organizing doing what they feel is important doing what they feel is important to them at such a young age this is JC Howard sitting here with Teresa Adams. We are here at the Malcolm X Jazz Festival, and we've got a guest here, Tamisha Finley, who's here from the Black Organizing Project. Welcome to the show, Tamisha. Thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about the Black Organizing Project? The Black Organizing Project is an all-black member-led organization working toward um, racial and social economic justice through grassroots organizing, community organizing, and policy change. BOP started back in 2009, after a young male by the name of Raheem Brown was killed by a school police officer of Oakland up in the Skyline Hills. And we wanted to organize our youth around policing in schools 
to basically try to dismantle the school-to-prison pipeline and really try to get police out of Oakland Unified School District. How exactly are you guys doing that? Like, I mean, is it kind of starting with the kids or is it like kind of something that's happening outside of the school system first? We are organizing with different community organizations, American Civil Liberties Union and Dignity in Schools. And some of the victories we won is basically we got rid of the um, the willful defiance in schools. We started with willful defiance because, you know, that's like one of the more simple things that would eventually lead to like criminalization of our youth. We tried to get rid of, you know, willful defiance, make it against the law so kids can stop being criminalized for things like chewing gum and profanity. That certainly does sound uh, pretty outrageous to be criminalized for things like that. I mean, growing up in Oakland myself, things that all of us as kids did in front of, not necessarily in front of our parents and teachers and things like that, but if we were to slip or if we were to even be defiant in that sense, I mean, we shouldn't be criminalized for those things. It's part of growing up and uh, mm. part of being a kid in a lot of ways. My understanding is this summer you guys have the BOP 2016 Youth Space Summer Internship. Uh, can you tell me about the summer internship? Is this the first time that you guys have done this or does this have a history with BOP? The youth space and internships is fairly new. I wasn't here for the first year, but the second year, I was one of the members who actually led the youth space. Yeah, what happens in the internship? Um, we get kids ages 12 through 18, and we try to um, engage them in discussions around topics that will impact their success. And we created an alternative space to empower them, teach them how to organize, um, teach them to be leaders, and they can also have fun while right. doing that. Right. So, What exactly did you do? Were you running part of this internship? Were you like over a specific part of it? Well, I wasn't really running it. The lead organizer that ran the summer space was um, Jasmine Jones, but I helped her, Jovante and Samaje. We basically was like the teachers in the space right. where we taught the kids about um, black history. Wow. And um, we taught them about uh, social economic justice and how to use different strategies to try to change the negative things that were happening in the community. And we also uh, taught the kids how to outreach and how to um, gain more members to our organization. I was kind of wondering as you were talking about that, how long have you been with BOP and kind of what brought you to join the organization? That's a good question. I was <laughs> in my last year at San Francisco State University. Go Gators. Uh, right. And Larry Solomon, he taught a grassroots organizing class at State and we had to pick an organization to organize with, to volunteer 40 hours. No, I chose VOP because I felt like yeah. it, you know, it directly related to me. And I've been with them ever since. So that was back in maybe the fall of 2013. So yeah, wow. I've been with VOP for almost three years now. What was it about the organization that really struck a chord with you that made you want to stay? That's a long time. I felt like I needed to stay because I was already an active member in my community mentoring and I, you know, worked all over Oakland, you know, with the youth, Boys and Girls Club, you know, YEP to name a few. But I stayed with BOP because I wanted to be a part of the change that I feel like is trying to come to Oakland and 
I also got involved because, um, you know, I have a son who's a black male living in Oakland. And um, I like that they focused on, you know, trying to dismantle the school to prison pipeline. It really, like, touched my heart a little bit because I feel like we need that. We need that in Oakland. So what brought BOP to the Malcolm X Festival today? We decided to table here because we're an all-black member-led organization and we're trying to meet more black people and we're trying to build our membership, let people know what BOP is and get ourselves out there so we can get more people engaged and get more youth involved in the youth space and things of that nature. Yeah, for, for some of our, our black folks out there who may want to get involved in the Black Organizing Project, um, how can they find out more about the organization and, and maybe join up and become a member or, or contribute to the organization in some kind of way? You can donate to BOP, you can join and become a member, and you can connect with us either through Facebook, facebook.com slash black org project, or our website is www.blackorganizingproject.org, and one of the contact persons could be um, the director, Jackie Byers, or um, one of the lead organizers, which is Reggie and Jessica. That's uh, www.blackorganizingproject.org. We're sitting here with Tamisha Finley. Thank you very much for joining us here at the Malcolm X Jazz Festival. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1. 94.1 KPFA. We just heard Tamisha Finley of BOP, the Black Organizing Project. Very wise for her years. A very dedicated young woman. And you may have noticed another new voice in there, my groupmate, Teresa Adams. I'm really enjoying these interviews, Sakia. Although, although I was there at San Antonio Park for that awesome day to celebrate the 16th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival, I'm excited to relive it on air tonight. I know what you mean, Dennis. That is precisely how I felt last year, celebrating the and and celebrating and interviewing at the 15th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival in San Antonio Park. And yes, it is very exciting to relive it. Dennis, what interview are we going to listen to next? Well, now we have another youngster and her mentor. These folks are a part of the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music. The huh. OP, OPC opens the, opens the world of music to all through access to quality instruction in a nurturing environment. They provide economic, e- economical, sturdy, and a variety of musical arts. Myself and Ephraim Colbert spoke with, the, with OPC at the KPFA table. Right. I am Ephraim Colbert with Dennis Irvin Roos Jr. And we are currently at the Malcolm X Jazz Festival, accompanied by Angela Wellman and Asia Butts. Angela is the founding director of Oakland Public Conservatory of Music, and Asia Butts is one of her students. Welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Now, Angela, how long have you been directing this organization? Well, I founded the Oakland Public Conservatory in 2005. So. 10, 11 years. Oakland Public Conservatory of Music, what actually do they offer the community? 
So the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music is really about illuminating the ancestral voices through the music, the ancestral heritage of <coughs> the music of the people of Oakland. We have such a rich diversity of folks from all over the globe, and we seek to bring in those voices and pass that knowledge on. We do that through music education. My uncle used to say preservation through music education and that's what we do. We're preserving our heritage and our cultures and to just bring it down just very pragmatically we are just that about teaching people to play instruments, to increase their music literacy, to be able to talk about music, to use the language of music to express what they see, what they hear. We have programs in East Oakland at the East Oakland Youth Development Center. We are beginning a beautiful collaboration also with Eastside Arts Alliance. We're getting ready to also uh, open up another site in West Oakland at the West Oakland Youth Center. So we kind of got this kind of tripartite okay. pyramid going in okay, Oakland. Okay. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Definitely. Music is one thing that we can't let anyone else control. It's a very important part of our heritage. So. Well, you know, that what's that, that proverb is from some West African countries, like, until the lion can tell the story, uh, the yes. hunt will always be uh, told in, by in, the... In the favor of the hunter. Yeah, uh, exactly. Definitely. So, so, yes, the lion has to tell the story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. and we have a young lion here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> In Asia. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am 13 years old and I just got into accepting the Oakland School for the Arts for okay. the flute. And I only started playing the bass about a month ago. She's, she's a perfect example of all our children need is access mm. and exposure right. and they need to see people do, that look like them doing what they're doing what they're doing and, and, and she's a perfect example of someone who is taking advantage of opportunities. Her musicianship is showing up through that bass in ways that are like incredible. Uh, definitely. Yeah. That's one thing that, that is lacking in the schools is just that opportunity, just what you said. You know, a lot of talent is within our children, and all they need is just an opportunity. So thank God for the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank the ancestors. Yes, I'm thank sure. the ancestors. And uh, Angela, I was kind of curious, uh, do you play a variation of different genres mm -hmm. of music? Of course. We play music. <laughs> you know, Duke, Duke Ellington used to say it's only two kinds of music, right? Good music and bad music. So, you know, at the Oakland Public Conservatory, a person can come there and play some Bach, and they can play some James Brown. <laughs> it's all about getting down. I mean, you can get down with Bach, and you can get down with Brown, and, and everything else, whatever. Music is a voice of the mm -hmm. spirit. And if we talk about genres, then we're talking about various expressions of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So um, that is what we are really focused on doing, is touching people's hearts and souls and finding what makes them come alive through the music. So what is the age range where someone can get involved if they wanted to come in and learn how to play an uh, instrument? A pregnant mother with her baby <laughs> in utero um, can come in and learn to play music all the way to an elder who can hold an instrument or sing or talk or whatever. So there really is no age limit. So right. it's open to anyone. It's open anyone to anyone. In, in honorable fashion, we were very honored to be asked to open up 
the jazz stage at okay, so this you... jazz arts festival that was major. And so um, OPC brought the next generation of trained and skilled and passionate young musicians to open up the stage. And OPC, we have a collaboration over here uh, where we're bringing the music to under-resourced uh, black and brown youth. And we're doing that at, at Westlake Middle School. So those youth were involved as well, our after-school jazz program at Edna Brewer. And, and we had uh, our drummers from East Oakland Youth Development Center, our class out there, Explorations in Music. So we had about, I don't know, what, 40 kids up there? <laughs> 30 or 40 kids yeah, up there I'm, at one time. I yeah. saw the performance, man. It was really nice. Yeah, they played everything from, you know, some Haitian to um, early jazz to Miles Davis. Davis to Mungo Santa Maria, you know, to New Orleans. We tried to cover various spiritual expressions. Excellent. Okay, do you have um, a website or any kind of information that you would want to give um, the listeners? Yeah, we have a website. It's opcmusic.org. That's O-P as in public, cmusic.org. We also have a Facebook page, Oakland Public Conservatorium, that they need in order to stay uh, abreast of what's going on with their first public conservatory in the world, actually. <laughs> I did the research. <laughs> yeah. I had a question for Asia. So, uh, Asia, where do you feel like this musical journey is taking you next? Well, I mean, when I first started playing music, you know, I wanted to be playing late shows and all that stuff. But I think that it's not really because when I play music I feel like I don't play music for others I play music for myself as long as I'm enjoying it then what I want to say and I hear um, what's happening here uh, through through Asia one of the uh, pieces that I'm really working to bring to our our training programs is sort of like an intergenerational music educational experience so the teachers of Asia and the other students are some of the greats the top musicians who live right here in Oakland and in some San Francisco for example uh, Asia's bass teacher is Carla Kaufman who's who's one of our solid bass performers here in the Bay Area as well as Calvin Keys the great uh, guitarist he played with Ahmad Jamal and all kinds of folks he's one of our um, instructors. We've got uh, Gary Brown, bass player, played with um, Ayerto, you know, and um, Lorca Hart. Just a lot of great people who are also their teachers. And uh, Calvin Keyes was sitting in the circle one day and he spoke about the lesson of, you know, play for yourself. Because when you play for yourself, then uh, the rest of it will be taken care of rather than trying to, like, you know, impress people or whatever. And so I hear his influence coming out in in Asia right now. It's beautiful. Okay, so what can people do to help? I mean, since the gentrification monster has came and <laughs> kind of displaced your home base. Yeah, well, yeah that's real. Because this is very important mm -hmm. uh, for the not only the uh, community, mm -hmm. but especially the kids, the children, the future generations. This is this is something that should be carried on. So what, what can people do to help? Thank you. I, I really appreciate that question because, you know, when we had our own home, one of our sources of revenue was people coming and taking lessons or renting the space or whatever. We don't have that revenue anymore. So we're right now in the process of doing a lot of fundraising, right, so that we can continue to 
hold down our general operating costs and and be able to continue to actually provide this musical education for these youth at no charge. They don't pay anything for this, but there is a cost to it. And so I think the greatest thing that people can do to help, really, is send us some of those um, Harriet Tubmans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the $20 bill, Harriet Tubman. You know, uh, so if you go to our website, opcmusic.org, and there's a link that says support OPC. Spread the word about our work. We, we can always use volunteers. All of those things help. Because there is abundance, I want to say that, and, and we act from that place of abundance. So for the people who don't really, you know, not as internet savvy, is there an address? Yes, indeed. We have our um, administrative offices at a, at a great place here in Oakland called the Impact Hub Oakland um, at 2323 Broadway. That's in Oakland, and the zip code is 94612. All right. Yes. All right. Uh, KPFA audience, once again, uh, we are broadcasting from the Malcolm X Jazz Festival, and we are speaking with Angela Wellman and Asia Butts with the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music. Asia, do you have any advice for any future musicians? I want to say for the black and brown kids, you know, the ones that want to play music, that sometimes, the, you know, they don't, they don't really have anyone to look up to because some of those kids think that they can't play music because some of them don't have the opportunity to. But like what Miss Wilma is doing, the Oakland Public Conservatory, that's a good place to start. Thank you. Uh, all right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully we'll see you next year. This is Ephraim Colbert signing off with Dennis Urban Roos Jr. Welcome back. If you just joined us, you're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. And those voices were the voices of Angela Wellman and Asia Butts of the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music. And Dennis, I heard your voice in there too. Yes. Ah. I, yes. I actually, um, myself and Ephraim Colbert, we actually um, did that interview. Okay. Very nice. But now we're going to take a break and check out some more music from the 16th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival. We'll be right back. Full Circle here on 94.1 KPFA. We were listening to music entitled Jada by the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music Youth Ensemble. Now these are middle school students and they are doing a great job keeping the music alive. Tonight we've been listening to interviews with community organizations, 
recorded at the 16th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival held in Oakland, San Antonio Park. So, have you been feeling the burn? While we were out talking to folks at the festival, the Black Men for Bernie bus rolled up to the park. J.C. Howard and my co-host, Dennis Roos, spoke with a representative from the Bernie Sanders campaign. This is J.C. Howard sitting here with Dennis Irvin Roos Jr. Uh, We're here at the Malcolm X Jazz and Arts Festival. We're sitting here with Bruce Carter from Black Men for Bernie. We're here in the middle of Oakland, San Antonio Park for the Malcolm X Jazz Festival. So I wanted to kind of ask you, what brings the, the Bernie campaign to the Malcolm X Jazz Festival? Bruce Carter. I'm committed to doing everything I can to educate the black community, what you call it of color, African-American. I'm talking about brothers and sisters who I know know what the struggle is. So, uh, you know, I'm about 75 days into even knowing who Bernie Sanders is. But after some research and my daughter saying, she's 17, if I could vote, I would vote for Bernie Sanders. And when children, because of the access that they have to documentation through social media and the Internet, it, yeah. it made me as a dad really look deeper. Uh, before that, I probably would have voted for Hillary Clinton right. based on what I knew. And now, um, you know, I'm the guy that's Bernie a bust. I would never vote for her. So uh, I'm here to do everything I can to pass that same education on that my daughter provided me with. Yeah, I, that, that's pretty amazing. Going from uh, voting for one person to two and a half months later, <laughs> you are halfway across the country campaigning for an individual who two and a half months ago you knew nothing about. Right. That's that's amazing. I I think for me, um, I've met Senator Sanders several occasions now and the first thing I did was like apologize. I didn't vote for anyone in the primaries. And my goal from Michigan to Illinois to Missouri to I've been in Pennsylvania. I mean, just left Jersey the other day is to do the same thing that my daughter did for me and especially to black men and hopefully black men get it then they can share what the information is to their mothers, their sisters, their grandmothers and then they will more than likely do what I did. They'll get wholeheartedly. And so as we, I've learned more about Senator Sanders, but I think more importantly, I've learned about the system. I've seen some bad things happen um, in form of voting. And now going into barbershops and seeing the disconnect that so many black men have, my new goal beyond what happens on July 28th in uh, Philadelphia at the convention is to make sure over the next 18 months that every black man across the country is at least registered to vote. When he exercised that vote is one thing. So it at least has sparked something inside of me that will be beneficial to my daughters. I have five. I need to be responsible for young men having an opportunity for employment, having great respect for women, because one day one of them are going to meet my daughter, and I hope through reciprocity the work I've done comes back to be a benefit for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great outlook. What we're seeing in patterns and patterns all across the country is the votes of color, the the black vote, if you will, is going to, to the other side, right, if you will, you right, know, and, right. and, and you've got people like me here in Oakland, California, right. a black male myself who would consider myself a black man for Bernie. Right. What is the disconnect? Like, why isn't there, why aren't we seeing this happen in droves? Um, I think it's education. Education, especially in the South. Um, if you notice, you look at this delicately, if you erased the Mason-Dixon line and below, Bernie would be ahead. If you split it equally, he would be ahead. 
we know that suppression, oppression is something that's been in the South for so long. It still remains. And and I go back to this. Me, you, we have to be more involved because it's our responsibility to make sure and protect our families from all things. And I'm, that's why I'm so committed. But once we inform the younger generation, they get it. Yeah. And sometimes for older people, it's just hard for them to change. And I've often said that, you know, the other side is like the brand. It's like you got a Coca-Cola. Yeah. So you want to go to the store, you're going to get the Coca-Cola. You're not going to buy the black and label to say cola. But that cola's cheaper. It's just as good. Right. But we don't buy it. Right. And so now we have to basically start that whole brand recognition and get people to try it. And when people like me do the research, they verify the information, and then they look at what the other product provides and have provided, and people then change. But now with the time shrinking, that's why we have to be very, very diligent. That's why you see people from Philadelphia, from other places across the country coming into California, because California is important, very important. Uh, Oakland is important. Los Angeles is important. San Diego is important. So I'll be all over your state, up and down, in and out of communities, trying to plead the case, educate, and do what you just did. Find more black men that can be for Bernie. But beyond Bernie, beyond 2016, we can forge a relationship that allows us to continue a movement that was at least started by Bernie. And then as history prevails, we get to talk about, just like these young men in the Black Panthers, someone sparked them to do something. 50 years later, they're ready to go and keep going. And that's what we have to do. Wow, now that, that is dedication. <laughs> uh, so what exactly does uh, Bernie have to offer the black community? Well, for me, I'll talk about several things that I know would be great for my family. If the minimum wage in Texas at least was $15 an hour, that would mean something great for my daughters, for my cousins, because now it's $7.25. So if you go to work, and you make you do 40 hours, I mean, you're barely bringing $300 home. That doesn't work. So now you have to go get a second job. So we talk about parents that's not involved in children's lives where you're now working two jobs and you only have so many hours in a day. That would be important. And we talk about education. I'm a college grad, but I play football. Everybody doesn't have sports accolades to do that. So when you talk about college, meaning that I don't believe anything's free in life because someone is always paying. So when you hear the word free, it's not like you just get to say, hey, I'm going to college. There are things that you must do, but affordable. Right. The opportunity is what it's about. And I'm not a big believer in college because it's not for everybody. But for some people, you need it if you want to be a nurse, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer. But for other things, you don't have to go to college, but you need the opportunity if it's a trade school. And now, as I said, being from the South, I understand the struggle. But being in Philadelphia, I see the struggle. In New Jersey, I feel the struggle. And so now, I know that Bernie has the heart. Above everything that I've talked about, we talk about a heart for people. And if you have that heart, then if you start at 15, maybe you have to negotiate the 13. But if you start at 10, you're going to be lower than lower than. A 12, you're going to be lower than that. Right. So it, it's for me, it's the heart. And then the integrity, the character. And as black men, you, me. If I know you got my back, man, I'll walk through a brick wall for you. Right. Definitely. There's a, um, a famous picture going around the Internet of uh, Bernie Sanders um, walking with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, have you seen it? I've seen it. 
I've yes. seen the picture. Uh, if you notice the information you have in front of you, to me, it has even a greater picture. That's Bernie Sanders chained to a black lady. So they had a right for education, equal education. And he was arrested for that. So it's, it's on the roll that's in there. And we know in the 60s, a lot of people died for fighting for the rights. A lot of white people died. Yes. Um, you know, you talk about Dr. King died in the 60s. JFK died in the 60s. Right. So when you attach yourself to situations that could cause you harm, it's just like a bully. If you take the bully on, nobody else will. Everybody starts to admire you when they probably could have took the bully out. So Bernie took a stand. When If that doesn't move you sometimes, I'm like, you're not going to be moved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, definitely. We're talking to Bruce Carter, uh, representing black men for Bernie. Again, I'm J.C. Howard. Dennis Irving Roos Jr. sitting here with me. Again, this is 94.1 FM KPFA for Full Circle. Welcome back. If you've just tuned in, this is KPFA 94.1. The show is full circle. Before the break, we heard from the Bernie Sanders campaign, Black Men for Bernie. And this past hour, we've been hearing from different organizations that were a part of the 16th annual Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival. So now that this, so now at this time, we have live in the KPFA studio, Allison Santiago, uh, a representative of the East Side Arts Alliance, which was the group of folks that put this event together. The East Side Arts Alliance is an organization of artists, cultural and community organizers of color who live and or work in the San Antonio district of Oakland. They work to improve the quality of life to, for our communities and advocate for progressive, systematic social change. Welcome, Allison, and thank you for being here on Full Circle tonight. Yes, welcome, Allison. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, Allison, there are many aspects of, of uh, your organization, and uh, can you tell us what role you play there? So the role that I used to play when I was 14 and started coming to the organization was just a student. So I was there taking their aerosol class, visual element, and now I actually coordinate the class. So I'm the coordinator of that art class alongside organizing and um, project management within the org. Okay, so there's there's growth within the, your, your, Definitely. your organization. One of the main things Eastside focuses on is regeneration. That's wonderful. That's so good to hear. The Jazz um, Arts Festival is more than just getting together in the park. What is the, the greater purpose, uh, you think, um, Allison? What is the greater purpose of the uh, Malcolm X Jazz Arts Festival? Well, just before I go into that, just giving you guys a little bit more background on what Eastside does is... Besides um, being a third world org, um, we use various mediums of art and voice to nurture our diverse community. We do this by pre providing creative opportunities for young people alongside adults. Um, we have community workshops, events, the Malcolm X Jazz Festival being one of a hundred of them, um, and festivals that allow individuals to voice issues that affect their lives, surroundings, and communities. Um, and that's um, one of the main things that's very important of the Jazz Festival is that it's um, one of the last free third world jazz events mm. and community events for the community that benefits that community, right? That's not funded by any corporate entity or um, anybody outside of the community. So everyone 
that is there in that festival is from that community and organizing it together as well. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's very encouraging yeah. to know that um, corporations aren't funding it. And it still happens every year and it grows. Yeah, that's that's great. Definitely. This year was, um, I believe we had one of our biggest crowds. Um, you couldn't even see the grass when mm. you went on top of the hill in San Antonio Park. So these are like amazing, beautiful things that we love to see in our community where people can have fun in a safe environment. And there's exactly. tons of people of color that come through, right? Oh, yes. Um, so just seeing our community come together and as um, other folks said in the interviews, um, it's, it's a good place to network and to see people you haven't seen in a long time and really have all the organizers of Oakland or within that district come together and really um, connect, right, and build things within um, their community and for the greater purpose of the year. That's yeah. a beautiful environment. Yeah, it seems like the festival does have a greater purpose. Um, what kind of community members and organizations are involved in and invited to the festival? Is there a certain criteria one must meet? Um, Definitely not. Um, It's very um, community and grassroots organized. So if you're anything like that, um, and if you've been a part of our circle for many years, those are the main people that we try to advocate to. So um, like we said, no corporate entities, like nothing very major, but very mom and pop very community-based. So it's not that you have to fit a certain criteria, but we reach out to certain folks, right, that are very Mm -hmm. community-based. And that's our main, main focus because we believe something that's for the community um, should be organized with the community, right? Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, Allison, for people that are out there saying, well, why should I attend the festival? Uh, What would you tell them? Um, I would definitely tell them that it's a it's a cultural event. So um, this is a practice that's been happening for over 16 years now, um, and it's 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 a great community event, right? Um, we have tons of things for young people and adults to enjoy, mm-hmm. and it caters to every age and every need, right? We have various courts of food, um, art, vendor vendors. Um, live art that's happening, um, live music that's happening, live dance that's happening, right? So we try to cater to as many um, generations and ages and and people um, with needs as possible. So it's a very fun, free environment. and there's no charge to coming, right? Oh, so, can't beat that. <laughs> yeah, so you can't beat something that's free. Um, and, and it's a family affair. Of From course. zero to 100. <laughs> exactly. So we, we cater to everyone, mm-hmm. to the young, young, young people, to, um, to older folks as well, and our elders within the community. Exactly. Okay, Allison, um, this is our golden ticket question. Um, it may sound a little bit self selfish, but uh, why do you think supporting community radio is important? Um, I definitely believe supporting community radio is important um, because it, you kind of say it within yourself, right? Community radio, it's, um, 
you're not really out there like bumping vulgar music or anything that's really degrading the community but really getting the community stories out there um, on a platform that is usually not really given anymore right so I believe it's very important to have those platforms for community folks to come and share their stories and come and voice their opinions um, on something that's given and seen in a in a larger area on a scope very beautifully put so uh, for to contact the east side arts alliance you can go to their website eastsidearts.alliance.com mm-hmm. or even eastsidealliance.com i found you both places um and the organization has an address and a phone number do you, would you like to give that um i can give you as our address mm-hmm. it's 2277 international boulevard um right off of 23rd you'll see us right there we have a big logo um a big yeah it says east side arts alliance cultural center um so you can come and see us um you can also follow us on instagram east side underscore neighborhood of arts um just to keep updated with anything that's happening well thank you within thank the org. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we've been speaking with Allison Santiago of the Eastside Arts Alliance. Thanks again, Allison, for coming tonight to Full Circle. Thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of our show tonight. Tune in next week to Full Circle at 7 p.m. right here on KPFA. Check out our website at kpfaapprentice.org. There you can listen to shows and download our past shows. Also see pictures of us and some of our guests. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Free Will and Frank Sterling. Joy, Mo- Joy Moore is our production consultant. Teresa Adams has been our board op and Sylvia Torres our tech assist. And thanks, special thanks, to the remote crew who went out with the equipment and helped record and interview um, and uh, the music and the people. So, um, we've been your hosts. I'm Zakia G.E.K. Part. And I'm Dennis Roos Jr. Thanks for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned for La Onda Bajita. Yeah.